Welcome to Worship Call with Bible teacher Buzz Lawbeck. Buzz is the pastor of Grace Chapel Bible Ministries located in Duncan, South Carolina. This ministry is dedicated to the verse-by-verse teaching of God's Word and discipleship programs aimed at strengthening the faith of God's people. Now here's today's message. This is the sixth day of the week in God's created order. Friday, December 15th, 2023rd year of our Lord. And this morning, like each morning, we'll begin with George Witten of WorthyNews.com. He says, friends, tune it all out. First Kings 19, 11 through 12. And he said, go forth and set upon a mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by in a great strong wind, rent the mountains and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind and earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. (laughs) George writes, if your house is anything like mine, sometimes it's incredibly loud. Kids playing and screaming, my wife preparing for guests. Who, who are frequently here, news on television behind me, the praise of the worship uh, playing in the background, then the song, and then the phone rings. Suddenly, it becomes imperative to tune everything out in order to hear the person calling. In the same way, when we're listening for God's direction, we need to turn out everything else in order to tune in. In the above passage, God had something to say to Elijah. He first allowed some powerful and noisy manifestations. Those things might have easily been mistaken for his voice. Then a strong wind, so strong, um, so strong, in fact, that it tore the mountains apart right before Elijah's very eyes. And after that, an earthquake followed. And if it wasn't enough, a fire. I would say by the time these Massive events had passed. Elijah might have been a little distracted, don't you think? But the Lord wasn't in any of them. Then God spoke to Elijah in a still, small voice. Friends, I believe that God still speaks in a still, small voice today, but are any of us able to hear him with all the craziness around us? It is so necessary to tune out the noise so we can hear him when God has our full attention. Not only can we come to know him better, but we can receive the the direction we've been longing for. Shabbat Shalom. Have a great weekend. Your family in the Lord with much agape love. George, Batrevka, Obadiah, and Elena. And this is another Fine day in the Lord. Father in heaven, thank you for it. We thank Heavenly Father for getting us through another week. Pray, Heavenly Father, with great anticipation. We know that one day we're going to be taken from this earth. And maybe in our lifetime we'll leave the leave these bodies behind and in a new body meet our our grace our gracious God and Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ in the in the clouds. So, Heavenly Father, open up our hearts this morning to the study of your word as we continue to grow in it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
Uh, all right. Looks like everything's going. Like I said, we got, we got little things going on. Tim, Lord willing, pray for us. We may see you here late, a little bit later and, uh, later in the day. Still got to go to work today, but anyway, um, so I look forward to that very, 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 very much. So let's go to our passage. We are studying the parable. Um, and we're going to have a lot of more parables like this. This is going to be a long passion week for us because we're going to look at these parables in light of the Gentile believers. Let's look at this parable of the marriage feast. I'll read just right up to where we're at. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven is compared to a king who gave a wedding feast to his son. And he sent out the slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast. And they were unwilling to come. And we we spoke already that this has already occurred in the sense that those 70 were sent out. And they were sent out to the lost sheep of Israel from town to town. And um, there was instructions in the 70, including the the uh, the his apostles. Uh, soon to be apostles, they were all sent out to uh, communicate the the um, message that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And um but it was rejected. And um and so there was a second time and we see the um and this. So moving on, again he sent out other slaves to tell those who had been invited, behold, I have prepared a dinner. My oxen and my fatted stock Livestock are all butchered and everything is all ready to come to the wedding. So there was a second, there was a second opportunity after the, um, death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension of Christ. Many of those having witnessed the resurrected Christ, they had another opportunity. Now the, those who were his close disciples were sent out. Um, and they were, they, these were the ones, the apostles, they laid the foundations of the earth and they were, and there was the communication of the, um, the gospel of Christ to believe upon, at that point, to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And, um, which is the message today. And so they were the ones actually to lay the foundations of the church age. Um, but, they paid no attention and went their way and their own farm and to another, to another, to his business. And the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. But the king was enraged and sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set fire to the city. AD 70 with the destruction of the temple. Then he said to the, the, his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those who were, uh, invited were not worthy. Who were invited? That was the Israelites. That was the lost sheep of Israel. But they rejected that invitation. Um, therefore, go into the main highway, and as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. And that's where we will pick up right now. And we, uh, we'll continue on with our study yesterday. And um, remember, we're looking at this in the eyes of the Gentile believers. The Gentiles, or not Gentiles, the, the Jewish believers in the age, let's just say the age of Israel. And we, when you look at Daniel chapter 9, and you see the prophecy, there's 490 years of history, and um, uh, uh, 490 years, but uh, to the point that 
there, there's going to be forgiveness. Their transgressions are going to be forgiveness. The establishment of Messiah. There's going to be the Antichrist. There's going to be the conflict. Much, much to go over in Daniel chapter 9. But the point that I want to make is that the, the age of Israel reads as if it's continuous. The church is a mystery, including the gospels, much of the gospels. There, there may be some that Jesus taught in the looting of the church, as in, on this rock I will build my church. But those who he spoke to, those who he taught, including the Sermon on the Mount, was in a um, Israelite perspective, in the age of Israel. Um, so we are looking at this parable, not through the lens of the Christian church, but in the timeline of the history of Israel, leaving the church a mystery excluded from the timeline. So you have a, a timeline. And yes, the church age is going to be inserted. And the purpose of the church is the calling out of the bride of Christ. Remember, we're talking about a wedding feast. And a wedding feast has a bride and a groom. So in this wedding feast, we're going to find that there's a bride or there's a bridegroom, must be a bride, and there are the guests, the wedding the guests. Okay, so the bride is the one who is received by the bridegroom in the marriage. Um, I don't know if it can be construed, but when I married, when I asked my wife to marry me, and she married me, I didn't invite her into the marriage. I didn't say, hey, you're invited to be my wife. I received her to me as my wife, as Christ will receive to himself the church. Okay? Um, understand that there are, you have Israel, in this, in this world, there are three categories of people. Three categories. There, there's the Gentiles, that's what, really there was no Gentiles from the very beginning because there was just one sect of people. But when the Jews came, there was a differentiation. Now you had the Jews and the Gentiles. In the Jewish mind, um, there's Jews and everybody else. The everybody else is the Gentiles. And then with the advent of the um, the day of Pentecost, that Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came, now you have a different, a spiritual people called the church. And um the church will be taken up at some point. Um, the age of Israel halted, halted seven years short, seven years short of that 490 year. We're waiting for that to be completed. Church will not be here. But the, um, but when we're reading these, when we're reading the narrative, and also be careful when you're looking at the Old Testament. So often we want to include these promises and in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, listen, um, it is still profitable for reproof, for um, training and righteousness, for proof, for correction, for training and righteousness, that the man of God might be adequate for every good work. The Hebrew canon is still profitable to us. We still learn it. But those promises, now we may, by principle, 
learn those things. Certainly we look at Israel and their failures and the historical narrative and say, you know, and we can see parallels between the church and Israel. But those promises, such as, um, I even I will blot out your transgressions and remember them no more. By principle, when we believe, our sins are blotted out. But in context, that passage is to the nation Israel. Okay, so much of that. So we must keep that in mind. And um, so though it's though we're we are actually reading somebody else's letter, we're reading that a letter that was to somebody else. But yet we're still benefiting from it. If I can, if you understand that. So, um, so when we go like, for instance, Daniel chapter nine and other passages, there's a strict narrative. It doesn't look at the age of church. It doesn't prophesy the church. Some things might allude to the church, like when Abraham sends out his servant. We, many commentators like to say that's Eliezer, but notice that that servant wasn't um, named to go find a bride. For Abraham, for Abraham's son. And so there you could look at that and you could see a foreshadowing of the church. But they didn't know that. We can look back on it. So, so those that go out into the world on these main highways that we see in our parable, uh, in our parable, in the parable of Jesus are not looking for converts to Christianity. This is one thing, and, and you might argue with me, but stay with me on that. When they are sent out to the highways, they're not looking for the church. They're not calling into the church to be the bride. They're not inviting dinner guests. I say the church is, the church is not even thought of on this. The church is out of the picture. It's Gentiles. They go out to the highways and they're looking for, um, those that are going to be grafted in, those that receive that, receive the invitation. And how do they receive the invitation to go and hear it? And they're going to respond. And they're going to, they're going to, um, respond to the invitation. And they're going to come to the wedding as wedding guests. And those that will be grafted into the promises made to Israel as portrayed in the Hebrew canon. All right, they're going to they're going to see the um in the Hebrew canon there was faith. Faith is already always went through and there are examples we touched on some of the day, I'll reiterate them today. That in the Old Testament you had yes, you did have the Jews. You didn't have the church, you had the you had the Jews and everybody else. But there were those that were grafted into the, uh, the, the nation Israel, the people of Israel, the, those who worship Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, so once again, Matthew 22.10, those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good. We'll focus on that. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. Okay? The good, uh, first, the good. These were the morally right. God has placed his law within our hearts. And a 
um, though one may not be covered with the righteousness of God, they can be morally right. Um, they can, um, there, there are those that can follow the, the commandments of God. The, they can, they can function within the society under the laws of divine establishment. They can have integrity and virtue and die and go to hell. These are good. Okay. These, these are the good initially before they received salvation. They're the morally right. And the bad, these are those who um, disregarded the moral law. They walked according to their flesh, to the dictates of the lust of the flesh. They were immoral. They were your prostitutes. They were those that were the uh, what the society called as sinners. We have them now, you know. And the the thing about many Christians will look at somebody on the basis of their behavior. A person who has integrity and virtue and pillar of the community, and um, they may even function in a church, carry a Bible, read a Bible and all that, and we'll automatically say that that's a Christian. But the poor slob that's out there, he's he's on drugs, he's drinking, he's running around and he's living a, a very fleshly life, a immoral life, we may di- automatically disregard him as an unbeliever. That isn't necessarily so. As a, a, a He may be an unbeliever, but he still may be a redeemed, <laughs> I say unbeliever, he's, he, he's not walking righteously. Okay, so... Um, so that's the differentiation between bad and good, the moral and the immoral, the moral degenerates and the immoral degenerates. All right? That's maybe we put there. So Abel, Noah, Abram were all Gentiles. Uh Abram was a Gentile before he was called out of Ur of Chaldees, before before the circumcision. In Genesis chapter seventeen, Judge um, Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, Abraham believed in the promise of God and it was credited to him for righteousness. He was a Gentile. Well, he wasn't a Jew. Uh, you know, there wasn't Jews around, so I don't know if you can differentiate them between the two. But he wasn't a Jew. And um, so they, these all lived. They, they, they were righteous before God. How did they become righteous? They believed the promise of God. They were, they believed the, um, even going back to Abraham or Adam, where he put up, where he put on fig leaves. Adam and his wife put on fig leaves to cover up their nakedness. But God clothed them. And this is what we're going, we're going to talk about this clothing when it comes up to the, uh, proper clothing of being in, um, being in the wedding feast. God clothed Adam and Eve with the proper clothing in order to cover them, atonement. And um, how do we know that Adam and Eve were believers when they left the, left the garden? That they were, you know, that they were covered? <laughs> well, they they didn't reject the clothing. They they took the clothing that God had given them, the skins of animals, the sacrifice. And then there's those who were 
examples of the grafting into the promises of Israel. We mentioned yesterday Tamar. Tamar was a prostitute. Well, she was, I won't say that she was a prostitute when we meet her, but she was a Canaanite woman. And she married Ur, the son of Judah. Ur died, and the um, responsibility to produce an heir for the brother to carry on the family line per Deuteronomy was left to the brother, Onan. Onan was to take his wife Tamar and and produce a son who would inherit his brother's, uh, 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 carry on his brother's lineage. So um, Tamar would become pregnant uh, with Onan, and um and um but the but the seed would be actually his brothers would be considered his brother uh onan failed in that regard so the lord took him out ur ur died onan it's come out um judah refused to give up another son shelah and so she was left to pose as a prostitute to to lure in her father-in-law Judah to uh, to and she coaxed him in. He she was disguised. Judah didn't know who she was. Um, Judah took her as a wife. She uh, took uh, shook her as a uh, prostitute, a temple prostitute. Produced a and got her pregnant. You know, and um, still Judah didn't know this was the was his daughter-in-law when this happened. Now, one thing, Tamar certainly knew how to be a, a temple prostitute. She apparently knew the skills of what, you know, where did she learn these skills? But nonetheless, um, when it came time to, when it found, was found out that Tamar was pregnant, Judah was going to have her burned. And so she goes, she, you read the story, but when he finds out, when he finally, the proof was there that, well, it was he who got her pregnant, and her reasoning was to produce an heir for her husband to carry on a family lineage, then Judah says that she is more righteous than I. Uh, that was Tamar, and Tamar is grafted into the lineage of Israel she is found in the lineage, the the um, the lineage of Jesus in Matthew chapter one. Uh, so, um, yeah, Genesis thirty eight twenty six, that passage. Judah recognized them and said, "She is more righteous than I, inasmuch as I did not give her my son Shelah, and he did not have relations with her again." And um, so now come to the Exodus. This is the, the when Moses leads the people out into the freedom, out into um, out into the wilderness, out from Egypt. When and I also say in the Passover, there were those Egyptians. There were those, and I imagine other sects of people. Um, Mitch multitudes, uh, the scripture says they are. When they came out into the, um, when they came out of Egypt, and these people up to this point, they were seeing signs and they were seeing wonders. They were seeing the contest between 
Pharaoh and and um, Pharaoh and Moses, and they were seeing that. Pardon the expression. They were seeing uh, the Lord kick butt, and uh, Moses would come, and people would be listening. Well, what now? What's the forecast for today? And those ten plagues, one by one by one by one. And um, until there was finally the Passover, where the death angel was going to pass over the homes, where they were have to have to to bring in a lamb and um, into the house, keep it for four days, take it out, um, and sacrifice, put blood on the door post and on a lentil. Being careful not to carry that that so specific information given. I bet you that wasn't just Jews that did that. I bet you there were some Egyptians that followed those instructions. I bet you there were some people of other ethnic backgrounds that was paying close attention. And they were scared. And they did the same thing. They followed those instructions. They were redeemed. And they followed seeing the wonders of of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through the servants, Moses and Aaron. They followed the people right out into the wilderness. They were grafted into the plan of God. Rahab was the prostitute. She was the one who was in Jericho during the conquest. And in that conquest, um, Joshua was to go in. And he was, and each city he'd gone to when he went across the Jordan and into Jericho was the first one and he was to destroy it. Every man, woman, and child was to be eliminated. The, it was to, equivalent to drop an atomic bomb. Nothing was to be, nothing was to survive. It was judgment against Jericho and it was coming. But when Joshua sent in the spies, there was Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. The, uh, I believe it's Hebrews 11 tells us that, that she was a prostitute. She was one of these bad ones. Uh, that, and what did she do? She brought the spies in. She hit, uh, of Joshua. She hit them under the flax on the roof. She missed directed the king's guards and sent them the other way. And so then she she and her family with the with the um invasion they were taken out. They stayed within the home until one um until Joshua's men came and took them out. Rahab also becomes grafted into the the line the lineage of Christ into that family of Israel. And she ends up having, um, she ends up marrying into it. And she becomes a, um, she enters into that Jewish lineage, the lineage of Christ. We spoke of Ruth yesterday, the Moabitess, from a pagan, certainly a pagan, very pagan culture, as was the other ones, Canaanite culture. She's and she's also grafted into the body of Israel when she makes this pledge to her mother. I love this. I'm going to read it again this morning. And um, here it is: the um, Naomi. Uh, she's lost her husband and her sons. Um, 
Ruth and Ruth and Oprah, they had lost their their uh, their husbands, which is Naomi's sons. So Naomi's lost her own sons, and she's headed back to Israel. She heard that the famine was lifted. The daughters were go- the daughters were coming, and Ruth is persuading her daughters to go. Go, you. I have you. You have nothing in me. You, I don't. Ha- I will not have any sons that you're going to be able to marry. You go back to your own families. Oprah in tears, she left, but Ruth hung on, and um, and she says this: Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. And um, then that goes into the story of Ruth, and she marries Boaz, who is Jewish. So, and she and she's grafted into the Jewish lineage. Um, I don't think Ruth, however, is uh, is uh, mentioned in the lineage of Christ, but she is. She is King David's great, uh, great, great grandmother. Okay. Um, so leading up after this, so these were, this was in the age of Israel. Um, at, at Pentecost, there is the halting of the time, uh, halting of the timetable. Uh, and seven years short, seven years short of the, um, and that, that seven years that's going to be, com- uh, continue after the taking of the church. All attention will go back historic, historically, it's always been historically, but on God's timetable, it begins, God's clock begins again for Israel. To give, uh, to continue on those seven years. Now there's going to be great, there's going to be a great persecution against, um, not, not against the church, but against, uh, Israel and though, and the Gentile, the Gentiles who are going to believe. In the tribulation, it's not about the persecution of the church. The church is being persecuted now, as, but we're talking about the saints. The tribulational saints are going to be persecuted. This is the great persecution, like none ever. And what what inspires this? What would inspire the great persecution? We've got the Antichrist on stage, and and um, and there's going to be that great persecution of Israelites and of those that are going to follow the way. And I will say it's this. See, in our, in our culture where we've grown up, compared to other places in the world, we haven't seen persecution. And I'll say it for this reason. Because there's a not, there's not enough, um, let's just say we're not following right, uh, we're not, we're not a righteous we don't have a, we, we may be righteous in the sense that we have positionally righteous. But as far as our, well, I'm out on a limb on that, so I'm going, I'm just going to say it this, this way, coming back to Israel. The church is taken. You have 144,000 witnesses. 
People, there is the same context that we saw in the time of Israel. There's signs and wonders. These, I'd say these 144,000 are going to be, um, as Joel, I believe chapter 2 talks it, there's going to be signs and wonders. There's going to be, there is going to be an outbreak of evangelism. And it's not by the church doing the evangelism. It's going to be the, it's going to be those 144,000. They're going to see these signs. They're going to see these wonders. And they're going to, they're going to respond. They're going to hear the message of God, just like they did in Egypt. And they saw these miraculous things. They saw these things come. And, and in that time, those seals are going to be broken. And there, some are going to be running to the world and, uh, to, uh, running in fear because they still will not accept. But others will see the answer. They will hear the, 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 um, gospel. They will hear the deliverance message to believe upon the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as that continue, as that continues, the Antichrist, who is a narcissist, he's going to see the people, uh, he's going to see the loyalty being sapped away from him. A narcissist wants all the attention. At the beginning of uh, persecution came upon John the Baptist because not only was he preaching the message, people were responding to it. Um, Christ persecution because not only were people hearing the message, they were responding to it. The apostles, not only were they teaching and and preaching, people were responding to it. And in the in the tribulation, people are going to be responded to the message. But in the tribulation, they were not going to become Christians. They were not going to enter into the body of Christ. They're going into the body of Israel, just like Old Testament believers, just like Tamar, Ruth, uh, Rahab. They're going, um, they're going to be Old Testament saints. They're not going to receive the things. They're not going to be part of the royal family as we are the bride of Christ. Okay, they are going to be um, they're going to be grafted into the Gentile, uh, the promises. So they're God, just like Ruth. Your God will be our God. Where you be buried, we'll be buried. Their loyalties are going to be for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So are ours. But when we believe in this age with the window of opportunity, when we believe, we become the bride of Christ. But in the tribulation, that window has closed. And now they, they will have advantages. They will have advantages. There will be a resurrection. They will enjoy the resurrection. There will be advantages. Um, just as Paul speaks in Romans, what advantage is there to be a Jew? There's going to be advantages for those who are grafted into that. But not, not as great advantages as being the bride of Christ who, and for them, for the bride of Christ, no eye has seen, no ears heard, all that God has prepared for them. So there, for the, so there's going to be provocation of those who are responding that's going to get the attention of the world and of the Antichrist. And this is where the great perse- persecution is going to be take, going to be hit on the Gentile nations. So, this time will be a time of signs and wonders, and um, just like it was in the time of Pharaoh. 
So this will be a clear, far clearer meaning when you go back and you read these passages in this light. And I'm, I'm challenging you to read these pictures and take the church out of it. And read it in the time of the timeline time in Israel. Then Matthew, something like Matthew 10, 28, and Jesus teaching, um, says a lot. Look at this. Do not fear those who can kill the body, but are able to kill the soul. How, how often have we taken this Christian, and principle, we as Christians can take this as a principle. But in context, we're talking, put it, put it in the line of those who are living in this most challenging and, and, uh, Jacob's, uh, or the devil's desperation and Jacob's trouble. Let's look at this. Do not fear of those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the Father. But the very hairs of your heads are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than the sparrows. Therefore, any everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before the Father who is in heaven. Uh, do not think that I brought peace on earth. I did not bring peace, but the sword. Um, so there will be those in the tribulation. There will be those who will proclaim the name of Christ. By this time, the, the Jews will have... Um, they. All of Israel will be saved per, um, per Romans and for, uh, per Old Testament that, and those, and there's going to be a great, and there's going to be great many Gentiles in the world that's going to claim the name of Christ. So at this time, all Israel will be saved and will be winning many Gentiles to the faith. Zechariah, let's look at Zechariah 8.23. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days ten men from all nations will grasp the garment of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Alright, Isaiah 45.14 Thus says the Lord, The products of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush and the Sabaeans, men of statue, will come over to you and will be yours. They will walk behind you. They will come over in chains and will bow down to you. They will make supplications to you. Surely God is with you and there is none none else. No other God. There is Isaiah um there is Isaiah forty five twenty four. They will say to me, Only in the Lord are righteousness. And strength, men will come to you, and all who are angry at him will be put to shame. And all, um, in the Lord, all offspring of Israel will be justified and, and will glory. Um, Isaiah 60, 14. The sons of those who are afflicted, you will come bowing to, uh, will come, to, uh, the, uh, the sons, those who are afflicted you will come bowing to you. And all those who despise you will bow themselves at the soles of your feet. And they will call you 
the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One, Israel. So, think this is going to get the gander of the Antichrist up? Betcha, it will. It, there will be a prog, there will be provoking of the Antichrist, the Satan, the demons, and all because there is going to be a defection from this dark world. So, just like it was in the time of Moses, there is going to be, uh, there's going to be a lot of similarities between the conflict between the two. And as Chuck Messler says, the church will be in heaven watching all this take place from the mezzanine. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity this morning to enjoy your word. We pray, Heavenly Father, that these things, these truths, may we continue to search these things daily to see that they are true. And I pray, Heavenly Father, give us encouragement. Give us uh, looking, looking forward to our hope. And we continue to pray for Israel. We pray for churches over there to rise up. We pray for a great evangelism. That while a window of opportunities remains open, that they, that many may hear the gospel and go from the, go from being a Jew to a Christian, to a body of Christ, that be, while that window of opportunity is open, where there is no Jew, where there is no Gentile, where there is no male or female, or no slave or free, but we are all one in Christ. We pray for, we pray, Heavenly Father, that you continue to enlighten us to these things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. We got our, we are doing, um, on the Lord's Day, we are going to start our Christmas special. We will, um, I anticipate that it's going to be the anticipation for Christmas. We're going to take a look, uh, uh throughout the Old Testament. Um, and as children anticipate Christmas morning that we, the children throughout the Old Testament are anticipating that wonderful Christmas day coming up. So we're going to take a look at that. And then the following week, Lord will and Spirit guide, and we will take a look at, uh, and we will have our, our Christmas special. So anyway, it's another fine day in the Lord. Keep your armor on. Keep fighting good fight of faith. Lord will and Spirit guide. Rapture penny. We'll see you on the Lord's day. Have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us. You can hear this message again, as well as previous lessons, and get notes by visiting us online at www.gchapel.org.